welcome to the Galactic Core Podcast. Here to review the latest films and TV shows from all your favorite intergalactic universes. Now, it's time to get your geek on. Please welcome your host, the prophesied chosen one. It's Andy. Hello and welcome back everyone to the Galactic Court Podcast. We are back as always to be chatting about the next TV episode and we've got a big one this week. It is the finale of Loki Season 2, Episode 6. It's been an epic series, I think, and we've got a lot to discuss. I've literally stopped watching it about half an hour or so ago, so it's all a massive jumble in my head and I'm so excited to be able to talk about it. And as always, and as I always try and do, and as I always promise to do, I've got some fantastic guests on this week to be able to chat uh, with me and discuss everything about this series of Loki in the finale. They have a, a fantastic podcast themselves. They're always in high demand to speak to, and they've always got some really great opinions. Um, so I'm really, really pleased to the show to welcome from Two Black Nerds, it's Jordan and Dez. <laughs> hello, hello. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Super, super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm super happy to have you guys on, to be fair. I'm really honored that you've come on. How are you guys doing? How's your your week been? Uh, it's been it's been good. It's been it's been a busy week, I think, as we you know probably all are experiencing with this and the Marvels and obviously other things outside of it. Gen V, Invincible. There's just a lot to get mm. to. Um, mm-hmm. And now the strikes being over. I mean, it feels like we are turning a corner back to what feels like normal days to where we can just kind of enjoy the stuff. So I know we've been busy, but it's been, it's been a really fun time. Absolutely. You guys uh, got to see the Marvels last night, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah uh, I'm literally going to watch it in about two hours time. Um, so I'm stupid. Just spoiler free review. What, what are you guys saying about it? Does you want to go first? That's a, I'm still trying to process, you know, what I'm thinking <laughs> yeah, about the movie. Yeah, in a very, in a very basic level, I actually had a, a great time watching it. It's not a perfect movie, um, but to be honest, the fun watching it was enough for me. I know a lot of the those uh, a little less quote unquote good MCU films. I don't even have a good time watching sometimes. <laughs> but this one, I, I was just like, huh, that's fun. I, I like that they did that, that they had fun with it, and that, that, that's what mattered to me here. Yeah, I, I think for me too, um, you know, there was a lot of conversation coming into the movie about the low expectations and obviously just the general discourse around Marvel. And and honestly, going into the movie, like my expectations have been lowered, but mostly because of the first movie, Captain Marvel, which I'm not mm-hmm. really a huge fan of. And this one is definitely better, if you ask me. I think that it's a, it's yeah. a more fun adventure. There's much better chemistry. The story does move quickly. I think my biggest problem with it is that there's not much of a plot really in mm-hmm. the in the film. But at a certain point, I just I just kind of let that go and, you know, try to enjoy it as much as possible. So there's some good stuff to, to, to like about it. All of the comedy doesn't necessarily land for me, um, but there are some good things. It's not it's not this train wreck that I think the the, the narrative mm-hmm. out there is making it out to, to be, you know. So mm-hmm. I think that there's some really good stuff to, to take away from the movie. Nice, nice. I'm actually really excited to go and see it tonight. And uh, my review will be out next week of um, of that particular film. But guys, chat to me about, I guess, your nerd credentials is the way that I always like to phrase it. You know, <laughs> talk talk to me about the MCU. What else outside of the MCU do you love? What draws you into these kind of uh, films and these kind of franchises? Um, Jordan, start us off. You know, what is it that you love about these kind of things in the MCU? 
You know, I mean, it, it's it's a couple of things. I've always been attached to this type of material and this media since I was a young kid. I think, you know, a lot of us growing up, we grew up either around comics or video games or animated series that were on. But, you know, at that particular time in that era, me for, you know, being sort of a 90s kid growing up in that era, it was not the dominant force in pop culture. It was there. It was present. And you could find other people who were into it, but it wasn't like this thing that everybody engaged with. Mm. And that was always there. And, and I grew up a massive Batman fan. That, that, that's my favorite mm. hero. Um, and, and all of a sudden in 2008, the pendulum completely swings because you get the Dark Knight and Iron Man in the same summer, which are two probably the, the most pivotal movies, at least for mm -hmm. franchise cinema of the 21st century. Yeah. And that's where everything changed, where now everybody's a fan. And so um, it was it was validating to have that and to, you know, sort of experience that to know like, oh, I, I've always been there. I've been day one, you know, but also it's cool to see like other people, you know, st start to gravitate towards this. And I think once all of these other franchises, these other comic book properties, these other cinematic universes start to pop up to varying degrees of success, you know, there's a lot to enjoy. There's a lot to critique as well. But it all it all goes back to that love that started at a very young age, just being engaged with that stuff, you know, um, across various mediums. Des, what about you? What's your relationship with comic book movies and, and stuff like? Man, not not too dissimilar. Um, man, growing up, I just watched a ton of TV, man. I mean, you name it, Power Rangers, things on Cartoon Network, <laughs> Saturday morning cartoons. I mean, as a kid, you have action figures. Uh, if you remember when Yu-Gi-Oh! first comes out, cards are all over the place, Pokemon. It was just so much around pop culture, man. And it was so easy, I think, to attach uh, uh, to superheroes. When, we're, when we were younger, we got some really cool stuff that, you know, not necessarily everybody watched. But Power Rangers was like an early iteration of whatever a super team would be and Avengers would be. You know what I mean? On, <laughs> on the big screen or even... You know, just thinking about um, um, we we did get uh, Justice League at a very young age. To be honest, we were lucky to have Justice League. I think, and in, in, in things of that nature. And so, it was it, again. It was really easy to get into a lot of these things. Spider Man is is my favorite hero and was my favorite mm -hmm. hero at least at the time. I had Spider Man blanket. Uh, my mom took me to see the movie <laughs> when it when it first <laughs> came out a long time ago. I was I was surprised she even went with me to go watch it. Um, we used to go to the drive in. I actually remember watching Batman Begins at the drive-in, super dark movie, watching on the big old driving screen. You could barely yeah. see anything, but I still had a great time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so uh, uh, my relationship with it is, is is pretty much that, finding friends at school, right, and, and, and talking about these things and being like, oh, what superhero are you? What superhero would you be? Even TV shows like Teen Titans, like, yeah, I'm Beast Boy. Oh, uh, uh, you know, there's a girl in the group. I'm Raven. Um, you know, and, and just having fun with things like that. So I've always... Uh, again, just kind of been in it um, when when it comes to just superhero content. And again, of course, as Jordan just said, everything explodes in that 2008 era when it comes to franchise. Um, and yeah, man, here we are, years later, still mm -hmm. still in it. Absolutely. And what's what's your relationship with the MCU in particular, Bing? Because obviously we're here to talk about Loki today. So everyone always says post Endgame, it's been a completely different ball game in terms of the the quality and everything else that we've had. So how how have you guys progressed with the MCU? Like Jordan, have you been loving everything post Endgame, or was was that the peak that we're never going to be able to get beyond? Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been pretty vocal that I have not loved everything, um, which is not, I think, a surprise. I think a lot of people feel that way, and it, it's 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 the nature of 
kind of the corporate machine that 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 is overseeing all of this stuff. I think that there was a desire to want more after you see what happened with Endgame and Infinity War, how successful those movies were. So obviously, as as a as a company, they're going to produce mass produce more of that stuff. But I think with that being a reality there's naturally going to be a decline in quality because you can only control that quality so much when you have a, a larger output. And so I think that that's just kind of the, the, the way things have, have transitioned for, for Marvel and the MCU. They, they have to really figure out what they want to be. Do they want to produce 12 things a year and, and see the quality dip? Or do they want to go back to, you know, kind of what brought, brought them to the dance and maybe make two or three things a year mm-hmm. and, and, and really excel at those at a high level. So that that 10 11 year stretch was you know i mean it was it was phenomenal and and pretty much everything they put out i loved or either or or at least at the very least i really enjoyed it um and 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 i don't think i don't think we can get back to the heights of what we achieved with in game and what we saw that is just i mean that's really once in a generation type of stuff you know there there's only one other or two other movies that have achieved something of that level um, so it doesn't really happen. And, and so I, I would I would be very shocked to see if we ever get back to that level. But that's not to say that there isn't good stuff still ahead. I think that there's a lot of great things we can be excited about. They still have some of their biggest properties to, to really unleash upon us. And uh, if they can knock those out of the park, I think you can you can see a lot of this fan base start to, to feel like things are moving in a more exciting direction mm. again. Yeah, it does because a lot of people have turned around and said, you know, with with their COVID and everything that happened you know, during that mm-hmm. phase, and the fact that they couldn't really in, intermingle the films the way they've previously done, so everything was a little bit separated and stood on its own, and nothing really mentioned other events that were going on. And now they've been able to sort of get through that, and they can go back to doing that, and everything is becoming a bit more interlinked again. In the run up to like Kang Dynasty and and Secret Wars, the fact that we're going to be getting things like Deadpool three, which is obviously going to be breaking the multiverse a bit more. Um, you know we're going to get the fantastic four and, and hopefully obviously moving more towards the x-men as well do you think that we are going to be able to see you know, marvel at its peak again going towards those those two big avengers films in a few years time yeah i think it will it will move towards a peak i think you know you both have kind of already said it where infinity war and endgame is just lightning in a bottle it's its own beast <clears throat> that i'm not sure we'll ever be able to touch again but that doesn't mean that we can't get close, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, in, in between X-Men, Fantastic Four, Deadpool, all of these things, these big properties, I think we can we can go towards another peak, a different kind of peak, you know, maybe one that we don't have to necessarily compare. Like, oh, wow, this is still really good stuff that we're getting here um, with Kane Dynasty and Secret Wars and all of that because on paper, it all does feel, look, and look good um, in, in something I think specifically comic fans right comic fans who know about secret wars who knows what goes down in secret wars it's definitely something to get excited about i I still can't imagine seeing secret wars on the big screen it doesn't even make sense to me (laughs) it's still insane um but i think if they can again run their race uh and 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 do it slowly and steadily and right i think right is more important then we can we can come out on top and say yeah that was a peak it might not have been in game infinity war peak but it's still mm-hmm. a peak um especially going with the slumps and the ups and downs and the roller coasters that we've been going through so i definitely still think it's possible um i just think it'll be a different kind of peak by the end of it all hmm. absolutely 
And with the the you know the news that we've had, well, the strikes are over to start with, which is obviously fantastic news. It's great that they've finally been able to get a deal that they're happy with. But it obviously has meant uh, a lot of delays for a lot of things. And we've been hit over the last few days with more delays um, for Marvel films coming out. So Deadpool's been pushed back, Captain America 4, Thunderbolts, and Blade, which has had obviously its own issues for a long time. I think it originally it was slated to be coming out around about now, Blade. And the fact we're not going to get it for another uh, what couple of years still. So... Next year is going to be a weird year for Marvel because with the delays and everything being pushed back, it means I think for the first time pretty much since the MCU started, they're only going to have one MCU film coming out for the entire year, which is going to be Deadpool 3. So how excited are you guys for Deadpool 3, by the way? Um, Every time I've I've asked someone this question in terms of what's your favourite upcoming project, Deadpool 3 has pretty much been the top of everyone's list. So are you glad that that's just one thing we get to... Obviously, we're going to have a couple of series drop next year, but are you just guys just happy that, look, we can have one year where we just get to focus on one big project and we get to love over Deadpool for the entire year? Yeah, I mean, if if it is one project that we get, Deadpool 3 would be the one that I would choose. Like, give me that as soon as we can possibly get it. And I, I was really worried with the strike just because I know that they still have at least like half of their filming to, to kind of finish out the film. So I was, I was a bit skeptical as to whether or not it can come out next year. And it still very well may not come out next year. I think we've obviously seen over the past few months that this stuff is just changing all the mm-hmm. time, you know, so there's really no guarantee until you're kind of sitting down in that movie theater watching the film. But Deadpool three has, has a tremendous opportunity to, to really do something I think special. Those previous two films, love those, uh, Ryan Reynolds um, and, and that whole team. They, they just do such a great job at, at taking care of that character and making sure that he feel tr- feels true to, to the comic book counterpart, of course. And uh, obviously just the prospects of what, 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 what's there with Hugh Jackman coming back as Wolverine. <laughs> you know, I think normally I'd be a little hesitant just based off of, you know, the fact that he had a pretty per- perfect send off in Logan. But um, everybody always wanted to see Deadpool. And, and Wolverine in a film properly together. We, we, properly. Can't, we, we, we can't count X-Men Origins. That, that, that's not a real thing. No. Um, so for this one exception, I'm like, you know what? We can, we can let Logan be what it was. And, and they obviously, I think, know that um, while still having fun with this adventure. And obviously there's multiversal sort of implications. So super excited. And, and hopefully mm-hmm. if that is the one solo movie that we get, hopefully it sticks to it and, and, and it can be Deadpool 3. And Des, do you think you know it's the perfect film to follow on from the end of Loki because we know we're getting Mobius and the TVA in, into Deadpool, mm-hmm. so all getting interlinked again. How excited are you for this particular film? Yeah, I, I, now it's the only MCU film coming out next year. I'm <laughs> absolutely excited. Um, it's like the you know the one thing that we're gonna get out of next year again beyond Echo and whatever else they decide <laughs> to throw in there. But I think Deadpool is is a chance for us to just have fun with something you know i, I don't know a lot of uh, the mcu fans a lot of us uh are really a lot of the casual fans too are always looking for like the next big thing if that yeah. makes sense oh what's the post credit scene going to be what's this going to be i mm-hmm. think deadpool 3 is just a chance for everybody to just turn your brain off and have a good time with this movie don't think too much <laughs> don't don't stress about what the mcu has going on like this is our break right like there's not a lot coming out next year this is our break so let's take this film in and, and i think that makes me excited um to get into some of that deadpool wolverine content man because mm. ryan reynolds we already know is born to play the part hugh jackman <laughs> very clearly is born to play these are like two of the most like most accurate casted people <laughs> we've ever seen yeah. in a movie and they're finally working together uh, uh again 
outside of X-Men Origins, they're finally working together <laughs> on screen in a main story plot. Of course, I think it'll, it'll advance the MCU in weird ways, but this is some real mutant content we're about to get. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited just for that. Like, oh, this is this is X-Men stuff, you know, coming to the big screen. And, and so I'm excited for Deadpool to be playful. Not only that, but for it to be rated R. I think that's a big, mm. huge thing that, that Marvel is about to kick in the door for when it comes to Deadpool. So I'm excited for all of that. Do you think Marvel have maybe missed a little trick? Because I was saying that I was hoping that if there was a post-credit scene at the end of Loki, so <clears throat> you've got the finales, it was. At the very end, there was like a little post-credit scene that linked into Deadpool. So maybe like Deadpool steps through a door or like, you know, we just focused on Deadpool and there's like a TVA door behind him that pops open and he's like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> do you think, I know that obviously if they haven't finished maybe necessarily doing all the filming, it they haven't really had a chance to do that. But do you think they missed a trick there by not having that sort of tie-in or, you know, does it not really matter? I think it would have been nice to have that. Yeah, I, I think that that's a reasonable thing just because, I mean, it's it's been such a long time since that last Deadpool movie. So I think everybody is is very much eager and ready to see what that's going to be. Um, and knowing that there is going to be that TVA connection with Mobius, Miss Minutes, whoever else, um, there could have been a nice there could have been a nice tie in somewhere. The only thing I will say, I guess, just based off of what we've seen out of Loki um, Tonally, I don't know if that would have made sense with the story that they ended off with here mm-hmm. in Loki, because Deadpool is obviously on the other end of the spectrum, which is completely yeah, goofy right. and silly and 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 you know mature and R-rated. And so I don't know where that might have fit in with with how things ended off with Loki. Um, but maybe with what with one of these other projects, you know, who's to say that? I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they'll really have a chance now at this point with so much little that's coming out between now and Deadpool maybe there could have been another opportunity but um you know I definitely get the sense of of, of wanting to see something to, to, to tie into that to get people really excited mm. so let's just take Deadpool out the equation for the time being then but out of everything else that we've got slated over the next three four five years Des what's your favorite project upcoming that you're really looking forward to and can't wait to see out of everything else Man, that's a hard question because everything is so wishy-washy to me right now. I don't know how to feel about a lot of these projects. I don't know how I feel about Captain America. I don't know how I feel about Thunderbolts. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about a lot of these things. Again, I just as a as a fan and in in a nerd of Blade, I, I part of me still just wants to say Blade, no matter how ridiculous you know of whatever it's going through. It's like if they can get it out the door and if it's good, of course I would want to see that. But even that has you know, kind of left a, a small sour taste in my mouth. But I think over everything, it's 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 probably between that and just Fantastic Four, man. I think Fantastic Four has the ability to set up so much in the MCU, like Infinity Saga, multiple level movies <laughs> of like setup. Um, it definitely has that potential. So we'll, we'll we'll see what happens with Fantastic Four. John, what about you? Um. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. And and one thing that Des and I were talking about after we saw the Marvels that I realized it was it was the fact that we have gotten a lot that they have promised us. Like a lot of this stuff has come out. There's there's not many projects really left, at least in terms of the announced things um that that, that remain in the saga. I think there's five movies, maybe four or five TV shows still left. Hmm. So we we've gotten through the vast majority of it. But for the sake of variety, um, because I would have chose Fantastic Four as well, but for the sake of variety. I will say Daredevil Born Again, despite mm-hmm. the reports that have come out ab- about, you know, the recent <laughs> changes, um, which which had me very nervous and worried and, and still kind of does. But 
I, I think that there's still a great, great opportunity to really establish a new corner of the MCU with Daredevil Born Again. It feels like they might be, you know, really trying to kickstart that with Echo based off of that trailer and apparently this new Marvel Spotlight brand that they're, mm. that they're looking to launch. Um, but I think Daredevil, you know, can really kick that door open and kind of lead the charge mm. in that in that front, you know, with Punisher and Kingpin and Echo if they want to fold that back in. But, you know, hopefully one day this isn't a real project as of yet, but we, we really need some daredevil and Spider-Man mm-hmm. projects together like that. Yes. That has to happen. So if they can get daredevil born again, right. And then whenever they figure out what Tom Holland is going to do next, um, I, I would love for that to, to start to, to come together to see what, what opportunities exist there. Um, I'm with you on the daredevil one, man. That's all pretty much been up there is my, uh, my favorite project upcoming. I'm a huge, huge Punisher fan as well. So I can't wait to see John, um, Berthel back as, as the Punisher. Um, I always had Kang dynasty up there. It was probably, you know, alongside daredevil is my, my favorite upcoming project that I want to see. I think, you know, what we've seen of Jonathan majors is the various different Kangs, Victor timely. He, who remains, um, I've been absolutely enthralled by his performances and I really can't wait to see Kang open a can of whoop ass on all these Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and really just show them who's the boss. Because um, I I think everyone felt maybe the same about the end of Ant-Man Quantumania, the fact that they seem to have done a quick rewrite of the ending and where he actually gets defeated at the end instead, where he, that wasn't supposed to happen. And that felt like a bit of a letdown of the character. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, how can he get beaten by ants? And I was like, well, he's in the quantum realm. He's the master of time and space, but quantum realm's a bit different. Plus going up against, you know, thousands of ants who have had a, you know, a thousand years to progress their own tech it's kind of like a, a bit of a curveball for him so he's like you can maybe accept just about the reasoning of his defeat but still i was like i want to see more of it i'm really excited to, to see it moving forward but yeah daredevil i'm with you on uh, on that one can't wait for it especially since i was actually excited by the change of the news to be fair the fact that they're scrapping a lot of things they're bringing in showrunners again instead of having yeah. like different yes. um, directors for each episode the mm-hmm. fact they're bringing in the you know writers from loki and from punisher um i felt it's going to give it the, sort of you know a really good solid base to go so i'm actually really excited about these changes to be fair so can't wait yeah. to see where that goes um now, as always, since we're reviewing an MCU show, we're going to play the most pointless game in podcast history. Um, so it's time for another episode of uh, MCU or Real Life You. So, as always, the aim of this game is that I'm going to give you each um, a an MCU character, the real-life actor or actress that plays them, and your podcast co-host. And I want you guys to tell me who you'd rather spend the day at the theme park with. So who do you want to hit the rides with? Who do you want to eat all the sweets with? Who do you want to go and have dinner with at the end of the day? And, you know, don't hold back. If you don't want to name your co-hosts, don't care for their feelings. Just be brutal <laughs> about it. Um, this is what we're here to do. We're here to split our podcasts and <laughs> no jokes. Um, you're going to get a couple of choices each or a couple of turns each on this. So, um, Jordan, we're going to start with you. So I'm going to give you um, Sam Wilson, um, Anthony Mackie, or your co-host, Des. Who would you rather spend the day with at the theme park and do all the stuff with? This is actually harder than I thought. You know, I thought it would, like the first choice would be kind of obvious, but that that's a that's a good that's a good potential situation to be in. Um, you know what? I'm actually I'm choosing Des on this one, I, and I'm I'm being totally honest. Like yeah. Anthony Mackie, he's a, he's a really good actor. You know, I like him. I think I think he's pretty good. But um, 
in terms of spending the entire day with him at a theme park, I don't I don't, I don't know, know if that's like exactly <laughs> the person that I would choose like off of off the top. So I'm 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 gonna stick with Des on this one. I I think I think that'll be a, a better time. Okay, okay, fair, fair. I like it. So Des, we've got your first choices. So we've got mm-hmm. uh, Shang Chi, Simu Liu, or your co-host mm. Jordan. Simu Liu spend is the day with uh, Shang Chi or Barbie <laughs> or Ken. Sorry, I should say. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I forgot. I always forget he's in a movie. Uh, man, I'm gonna go with Simu Liu. He's he's way different than Anthony Mackie. <laughs> he's a he's a he's a good time you know you mm. just look at him he's a good time anthony mackie like i like jordan said he might have like a couple hours in him you know what i'm saying he seems like he might get tired after a while Simon <laughs> Liu seems like he's he's ready to go all the time you know what i mean i think he'd be pretty fun at a theme park he's got the energy to go all day fair i like it so des i'm gonna give you your second choices now so we've uh we've got thor and I'm going to allow you to choose any iteration from the MCU of Thor. So whether it's the earlier serious Thor or the later, you know, Ragnarok, Love and Thunder Thor. Um, Chris Hemsworth, obviously, um, or your co-host <clears throat> over on to the side of you there. <laughs> Man, uh, yeah. Ragnarok Thor is, is a crazy good time. <laughs> He's a crazy good time. I have to go Ragnarok Thor. I don't even know. To be honest, I feel like I don't even know how long we'd be at the theme park, like actually riding rides. I feel like we'd find some other stuff to get into <laughs> somewhere, somewhere else. That is ridiculous. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Ragnarok Thor. <laughs> Do you think if you'd have picked Love and Thunder Thor, you'd been like, these rides are ridiculously bad. Let me get my goats and we'll ride off on these. That's also oh, hilarious. Yeah. The goats. <laughs> what a substitute for a ride because they, they, would, That's, they would. That could be a fun ride, though. Yeah, they'd be enough entertainment for sure. Yeah, screaming goats and then um, and then <laughs> Stormbreaker just being uh, a bit passive aggressive the entire time because <laughs> you're getting ignored. That would be fun. <laughs> and then the last choice uh, for this uh, for this week and for this series, to be fair. So it all falls on, uh, on you, Jordan. So mm-hmm. would you prefer to spend the day at a theme park with uh, Monica Rambeau of, um, of Marvels and... Um, and um, <laughs> for some reason, the name is fixed with WandaVision... Um, uh, Tayona Paris or your co-host Des? Come on now, I come on. Tiana Paris, she's is, right. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the only know, right choice. He, he, he understands. Like that. That is. <laughs> look, look. That is. That is. I mean, one. She seems like a fascinating person to like really get to know. Like I would just love to know her her life story and just like hang out with her. But she's gorgeous and beautiful as well, and that would just be that would be a dream I, I i probably would be speechless the entire time i'd probably fall on my yep. face and she would leave the theme park after a while because i would not be able to <laughs> engage with any any real conversation with her because i'd just be i'd be pretty starstruck but uh yeah i'm, I'm choosing tiana Paris, monica rambo nice a good choice to end this particular series with but that was our season finale of uh, mcu or real life you Now, on to the week's main event. The reason that we're all here, Loki Series Finale, Episode 6. Um, like I said, I finished you know, watching this not that long ago, so my head is still spinning. I'm thinking about everything that's come out of it. Um, you guys, did you get to watch this last night? Yeah, it was late last mm-hmm. night um, after we saw the Marvel, so came back and, and tried to get like right into Oof. it. Um, what a doubleheader. was it going to be? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Because I forgot that it was, for us, it's 9 p.m. on the East Coast, Mm. um, which, you know, we were 
like pretty much still at the movies at that point. So yeah, came back pretty much and started it up immediately. Yep. No. I'm jealous you got it to see it last night. I know it's like lunchtime for you guys now, but it's like you know, six o'clock in the evening. I had to wait all day, avoid social media, um, and then get into it as soon as I finished work. But what an episode. So uh, running up, though, I mean, essentially Series 1 and Series 2 have been one long series in a way because Series 2 picked up literally right where Series 1 left off. So if we treat this as one whole series, uh, Des, how have you been feeling about this whole Loki, um, this whole Loki series? Man, I've I've honestly been enjoying it um, a lot, and, and they keep I think subverting my expectations. There are always moments in Loki. It's always like one episode in there or episode and a half. I'm like, oh, that was just okay. We'll see how this you know this thing turns around, and then all of a sudden they hit me over the head with something that I absolutely love. Um, and, and and so Loki has been a ride, right? Is it's one of our early MCU shows that we do get, um, you know, around pandemic time. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> like, "Oh, what is the show? What's going on? What's Loki going to be?" And I, man, I, I have to say, I, I, I really enjoy and 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 love it. It's it's for sure. I think my favorite MCU show, and I think Tom Hiddleston has just graduated as one of the goats <laughs> of the MCU. Mm-hmm. To be honest, he has really been killing it. Um, and I think. This is uh, uh, this show is in. It, it's almost like a showcase of what the MCU could be if they care about everything this much. If that makes sense, and you can tell Loki um, by the end of it all, by the end of season two, you're like, man, they really cared about this show. Everything, the writing, the score, the, the acting, the all of it, the way it looks. And and again, I in, in in a lot of ways, it's endearing. Like, man, I love this show, and in, in some other ways, it's just slightly disappointing because like why didn't you put this energy into everything else? <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind of feeling. I wish they would have, but man, uh, overall, I, I, I really must say Loki is a, it's a big surprise. Um, Cause I, I never thought we'd be here with this character in this way uh, in the MCU. So yeah, I've, I've definitely been enjoying myself and I think, you know, uh, so far and by far, this is the best Marvel cinematic universe show that we've gotten. Nice. Jordan, hit us with your thoughts. You know, Loki is. Uh, I think it's 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 clear and indicative, just based off of what we've seen, and especially with what you just said, that it, it really is just like one long series divided up into two parts. That they had a vision for the show from the very beginning, and uh, I think that that's what makes it different than all these other shows that we've gotten on Disney Plus, which were conceived in a manner in which I think that they were more so satisfying the interests of the company and of the streaming service where it's like, we need more characters. We need more shows. We need more content for Disney plus. And um, that's not to say that there isn't merit in some of those other properties that we've gotten. Cause I do think that there are highlights and, 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 and moments that I've enjoyed, especially in things like WandaVision, you know, which I think is, you know, another pretty exceptional show that they've done, but Loki is it's pretty clear from the get go that they understood what this was meant to be um, one big story told in two parts divided over two seasons and they stuck the landing. And and, and, and I, I totally agree, you know, with Des that it's it's the best MCU show that I think we've gotten. Um, and it's really it's really a clear example of if if this multiverse saga could be anything, this is how high it could sort of achieve, you know, a certain sort of level and status if we put that time and attention and care um, into into every property um, or, or get there as close as possible. Because I think so far, multiverse stuff has been very hit or miss. But um, this this shows how far you can really go with it and how emotionally profound it could still be. I think we've all had questions about the stakes, or at least I have. I'll, I'll speak for myself. We, we've had questions about the stakes and 
how much can we connect to variants and other other universes and other multiverses when when we have our own? But I, I think Loki did a pretty pretty exceptional job at showcasing how that's done from an emotional standpoint, which I think is really the most important thing at the, at the end of the day. Mm. So you're sitting there, the credits roll on the episode when you watched it last night. What were your initial thoughts at the end of this episode and the end of this series? Man, it was um I think I think for me as the credits rolled, the the first thing that came to mind was if this is it for the character, I am 1000% okay with that. Because this this is a this this felt like a definitive ending for for Loki and for what the journey of that character has been. We and we've seen multiple endings at this point. He, he's been a character that's come back and has 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 found a way to resurrect himself over and over and over again, but I I'd be shocked if you could top what they did here um, from an emotional standpoint, from a, a payoff standpoint, from from just a character development standpoint. I'd be pretty shocked to see where else they could go with him. But I, I thought that when when they started Loki, you know, I thought that the way he ended in Infinity War at the hands of Thanos, I thought that that was pretty, pretty poetic, you know, but um, here they just took it to much further degrees. And I'm glad that they did. But when the credits rolled, I was like, this this could be it. And I'd be I'd be totally OK with that. Des, what were your thoughts um, after finishing the episode? Wow, uh, <laughs> that was that was literally my thoughts. Like, did they just <laughs> they didn't just stick the land? They stuck the hell out of that landing. I mean, this this was legit one of my favorite uh, uh, episodes of TV for the year. I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> what I, I did not expect this, and I think one of my favorite things um, about this show, to be honest, is the score. So the yeah. score is playing in my mind as the credits are rolling <laughs> constantly. Like it, I really enjoy the music in this show, but I absolutely agree that this feels like a definitive ending for the character. They have literally closed the book of Loki. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a reason episode one, season one is glorious purpose. And this episode is called glorious purpose. There's a reason they decided to, for it to come full circle like that, the, the, all of it, the Ouroboros, all of it. There, there's a reason that they decided uh, uh, to come to an end and, and, and make it definitive in that way. Um, and yeah, I, this is what the definition. I think this is another thing I was thinking of. I was like, yeah, that's a character arc. Hmm. That was my thoughts. Like that is an arc, a complete beginning, middle and end. I don't need to see anything else after. I don't need a prequel. I don't need to see anything else <laughs> before it. That is a complete character arc. And, and, and that's what really spun through my mind. And I agree. If I don't see him again, I would completely understand because you know why? Because we know where he is. <laughs> you know what I mean? We know exactly where he's at. And and I think we're all okay with that. So that's what was going through my mind. Two very well said statements, gentlemen. Um, I absolutely agree with both of them to fair about everything about this episode. I was absolutely astonished at the end of it. Um, I'm always left a bit disappointed at the, with the finales. I think a lot in TV series, generally because they leave so many questions to be answered moving forward. Um, Whilst there are definite still maybe some questions you could you could put forward at the end of this particular series, I think it answered enough things as well to felt like a well-rounded ending, um, which to me was was what it needed as well. Because I don't know about you guys, episode five last week's episode, I was a little bit disappointed. I understand they're setting it up for something big, but it felt like the the first time we'd had a real maybe filler episode for the entire series. 
And so moving on to this week, and if I was a bit worried at the start because we're going to get into it in a moment, but the fact that they were just doing him repeating things over and over again, and I was like, oh, are they going to fill in half this episode before they really do anything? And then it all just worked to to a great ending. And what's been fantastic for me about this series, like you said, the character development, just going through it from start to end has been one of the most complete ones I think we've ever seen in the MCU. There's been some good character development, some characters in there, and there's been a lot which have just been left dangling because they want to continue it further down the line or bring the characters back. Um, but this has been one of the most complete character arcs I think I've seen in any franchise anywhere. Um, from what we get, you know, in the first Thor through to Infinity War, through to bringing this particular Loki back who wasn't the same and then developing him to this point. And what it's felt like when you put the two series together, it feels like a short period of time for him. It doesn't feel like necessarily a lot of time has passed for this particular Loki, but what he's gone through in that time and the and the distance that he's travelled for his character arc and character development has been pretty epic. So I think we can all agree this series has ended on such a fantastic note. But let's get a little bit into the episode then. So it starts off um, with Loki saying, you know, he knows what he's got to do. He's And he's going through his time slipping. He's like, right, I've just we've got to do it quicker. So he's there like rushing Rick to time me out. We've got to go quicker. Let's go and do it. And every time he's getting spaghettified. Um, and then he's like, right, so I need to learn how to help them build the throughput multiplier better. So he's like turning to AB. He's like, how long will it take me? <laughs> to learn everything I know about physics and engineering and all this sort of stuff. And he's like, centuries. <laughs> a long time. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. So he's like, cool, okay. And then he just get the thing, it was like, centuries later. <laughs> and he's there, and he's helping them do it really quickly and stuff. What were your guys thought about um, about all this sort of beginning bit of the episode? Des, kick us off. Man, what a... What a what a crazy way to get into it. One, I, it was really cool because he, again, he ends episode five learning how to control the time slipping. Right? Mm. I was like, uh oh, now it's time for him to go fix everything. Um, and I think I, I love the ambition that he has when he actually spends centuries learning the physics that it takes to make this throughput multiplier. I thought that was crazy. Uh, but I, I I like the energy coming into it because. In a lot of ways, it's it's hopeful, but mm. not only that, but you see kind of the resolve in his eyes after that, after he feels out, he, like he knows at that moment that he can do it, if that makes sense. Uh, a lot of the, the season, we're like, man, we don't know how to do this. We have an idea of how to do it, but we don't know how anything is going to take. Everything is a rush. Now he's like, I have all the time in the world to fix this thing. Now I actually get to fix this thing. And I think that's an interesting idea because a lot of us never get that chance, right? To feel like we have all the time in the world to fix something. And now Loki kind of, I feel like he kind of has that within him in that moment. Like, oh, I have all the time in the world to figure out mm -hmm. how to fix this. So I think that's a very interesting uh, uh, kind of, you know, thing to, to work through. And then we get to this point where he's able to sort it all out and get the throughput multiplier. And he's just talking them and rushing them all through it very quickly. He's like, right, so we need to do this, you need to do that. You need to get out there and you just need to go. And they finally managed to, to get it done. So it's obvious that he's always like, oh, make sure that you latch the helmet. Don't put the throughput multiplier on the floor because it's going to roll <laughs> off the side. And you're like, how many, obviously he's been centuries. How many times has he attempted this genuinely? And so he's like, he's probably been through this millions of times and he knows everything down to the T, which you can probably see from the way he directs them all to do it. And it looks like they finally succeeded, you know, get the throughput multiplier into the uh, into the temporal loom. Victor makes it back and he thinks it's all sorted and the readings start going to pop. 
and they obviously work out that you know because the branches are infinitely growing the temporal loom can't infinitely grow and therefore they're never going to be able to succeed and it explodes again and he kind of realizes at that moment that maybe it's that old adage of what uh, Sylvie said to him, I think, in the last series, where he's like, is you know, a Loki's always destined to lose? And you kind of see the resignation on his face a little bit. Jordan, how are you feeling about this potential success of getting the, the whole plan finally sorted and then it finally realizing that it's never going to work? Yeah, you know, in this moment as I was watching, things were moving at such a fast pace. Mm that I checked the timestamp on Disney Plus of the episode, which I never do. Like, I never I never actively check to see how much time is left. Like, I'm really engrossed with an episode. But this particular portion here, it felt like so much had happened, but it really hadn't been that much stuff. I think it was just the pacing of it and the fact that we felt like we were going through this over and over and over again. So it's a, it's a brilliant editing job, you know, on the part of what they, what they did there to put the sequence together. But then when I realized that this was far from the end like we had pretty much made mm. it through not even half of the episode really like maybe maybe close to that halfway point and that essentially this was going to be a failure i i was just like well wow like what else can they do that's gonna you know feel really really important to to trying to figure out the solution in this problem but you know thinking about that constant idea that that low keys are destined to lose and and that that's kind of always been their purpose um you know that stuck out for sure in this moment thinking that there probably wasn't going to be a happy, I guess, quote unquote, happy ending for this. You know, there could be something that that's resolute and definitive, but I don't know if it was going to be happy. It was probably going to be a little bit more poignant and sad. I started to like have that feeling really seep in at this moment because it, it started to it started to stand out in particular that there's not really a way around this per se. Mm. Um, there, there's kind of a way maybe a way through um, potentially, but it's going to, it's going to come at a great cost, you know, which is ultimately mm. what, what ended up happening. Hmm. And then it drops for Loki that there's someone that he has to go and see. I called this about five minutes before it happened. I think it was probably obvious coming up to be fair, but I turned to my wife and I was like, he's going to have to go and visit he who remains and have a chat with him about how he can stop the temporal loom. And then I think he realizes this is what he's got to do. So we get the return of this dude right here. Um, which I, you know, I loved seeing this guy at the end of series one. Um, the series episode finale of series one was probably my favorite episode of that series. Um, I loved all the stuff with he, he remains. So the fact that they're going back to the settler at the end of time, and we're going to get more of him, uh, to me, I was super excited by, so they, he arrives back there and obviously he's time slipped into his body. And then he starts this repeating cycle all over again, as if he hasn't just been doing it for centuries (laughs) where he's, trying to stop Sylvie from killing him. And he obviously must have watched it hundreds, if not thousands of times, where he just kind of gets his ass whooped by Sylvie every single time, and she kills him every single time. And I don't know why he hasn't actually, instead of fighting her every time, he hasn't just stopped her and gone, let me explain absolutely everything that I've just been through. And then we can see how you feel after it, um, sort of attitude. But Jordan, kick us off in terms of going back and, and then having to go through loops all over again fighting Sylvie. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it it was I was a little nervous at this point because I'm like, okay, well, I I don't want this episode to be too repetitive of the same thing that we just Mm. did. Like, we're going to see the sequence play out over and over and over again. But the way that it was played here 
felt different than the first time because the first time I think as you're watching it, you have hope. Like, okay, he's gonna go through this. It's gonna take centuries, but we're gonna get there. He's gonna figure out how to how to save the temporal loom from from you know essentially imploding. And then we see that that doesn't happen. And so when you arrive to this point, it's like, well, he's not gonna kill Sylvie. Like, I, I just can't see that happening. So this one felt a little bit more a little bit more sad to watch him just go through this and take more time to try to just like play out the scenario and over and over and over again. And so as I was watching that, I'm like, okay, this this is becoming this is becoming really. Um, this is becoming like really tragic in a sense, you know, to, to see that, you know, there, there's no amount of time that he can buy himself that's mm. going to solve this issue, um, which which almost for, for a moment there felt inevitable that this has always been destined to happen. And then they once again just like kind of turned it on its head and subvert expectations. And you see that he who remains has been very aware of this the entire time, which is like one of the more shocking moments of the episode is as you start, started to point out the fact that they have a conversation that, that I did not see coming. And I thought that mm. that was a really, really great moment that they paid off. Yeah. This is definitely something I wanted to, to obviously chat a bit more about with you guys, because you know we had this whole thing in season one where essentially he who remains had said to Sylvie, you know, everything that's happened to you in terms of being taken by the TVA, everything that you've gone through to get to here is like, I paved the road to make that happen, to get you to this choice whether you kill me or whether you take my place. And, you know, Loki is just here along for the ride with you. And it turns out they flipped it on his head and all along he remains, he's been setting Loki down this path to get to the point where he's been through all this stuff. And now he's at the point where he's got to make this choice of, um, you know, he either works with he, who remains and keeps things as they are and keeps that sacred timeline in place, or he kills Sylvie and, um, Oh, sorry, and he kills Sylvie to stop all that from happening. Or he lets Sylvie kill he who remains, the temporal loom explodes, all the timelines are gone, and it's disaster all round. Um, Des, tell me, what were you feeling? Because this, to me, was a huge moment in, in, in this series in terms of... I love the parallel from season one where he's like, I paved the road for you, Sylvie, and now we find out that it's actually all been about Loki this entire time. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it's kind of mind-blowing when you think about the the strategy behind he who remains you know there's 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 a moment or not a moment but we go through season one and we get to he who remains like man this dude is really a sees all knows all hears all you know what i mean kind of person and then when he dies you, you kind of feel like that's it's the end of that and then somehow he finds a way to subvert those expectations again and you're like wait you're telling me that all of this is supposed to happen anyway where you know loki's going through all of this and we meet Again, I thought that was pretty crazy uh, because it it added even more, I think, kind of kind of fear to he who remains in a, a couple of different ways. Like you, like you, you said you were above all of this and you know all of these things and you set up all of these things and we believed you. But this is like another level of like you mm. knew all of this was going to like this is cr like so much has happened since then to get us to this point of Loki returning that I just to be honest I couldn't believe we were back here again in this way and i really i really enjoyed that it was because there was a lot of i don't know i feel like from the writing side of things that takes a lot of thinking you know what i mean like it takes a lot of logic to get back here and a lot of planning a lot of storyboarding for all of this to make sense for, for just for he who remains to be like oh yeah i was hoping you'd be here at some point in this way oh that time slipping yes <laughs> i did that i also paved that way <laughs> who do you think did that and yeah i don't know just really it's a really crazy concept i think to wrap your head around that they that that 
yeah, it's just really complicated and it's really cool though by the end of it all. But it definitely adds a lot of, I think, complexity and again, a little bit of fear in He Who Remains because wow, you you were not playing when you said you know you were you were really that guy at the end of time. And so, what a meticulous like person, you know, mm. uh, uh, to do all those things. But I also love, I I love I I I love the attention to really just bring it all around. I never thought. You said you predicted we would see he remains again. In my mind, I'm like, that dude's gone. We won't see him ever again. And so this was a surprise for me when I said, I was like, wait, did he just say that? <laughs> did he just stop Loki and be like, wait a minute, how many times have you been through this? That's the moment I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is different. This guy is different. So I'm really glad they decided to to, to put this in here, to be honest. Mm. I thought it was really cool and really well thought out. It's absolutely mind-bending to be fair that they thought through this plan for he who remains in terms of he's like i've set sylvie down this path that's going to bring her to me and she's going to kill me which is going to unleash everything that happens to loki but loki's going to be able to time slip and come back to a point before sylvie technically kills me and i can chat to him about the entire plan and he's got to make a choice then of what to do moving forward before he then time slips out of his own body that's at the set at the end of the time, that's then Sylvie kicks through a time door and is able to kill he who remains. I could literally spend like hours unraveling that in my <laughs> mind about the intricacies of that plan. And the fact that it's also revealed that he remains, you know, obviously he's done everything. The fact that he sent Victor Timely down that path as well, um, in particular, and everything, yeah, it just absolutely boggles the mind that that's the kind of plan he can come up with, that I plan someone to get down this timeline that's going to lead to my death, but at the same point, put someone that, that's going to go on a timeline and, and plan that reaches further beyond that and still be able to come back to a point in time to talk to me before I'm killed. It absolutely baffles my mind a little bit that he could do that. Um, and like you said, it adds a bit of extra fear because like Loki was already kind of scared of this dude and they hadn't had that much interaction at the end of season one. We see at the start of season two, even when we see um when he sees Victor Timely for the first time and how scared he is that this this dude is here. Um and then this just puts an extra level on top of it for me of just how far above everything else and how you know, clever this guy is. I think to have that kind of contingency plan was absolutely unreal. Um cool thing as well though. You know, Loki not only learned to control his time slipping, he's learned how to freeze time. Um, you know, he that cool moment when he remains using his temp pad to do it, and he's like freezing Sylvie, and then Loki like turns around and freezes over like a click of his finger, and he's like, "What makes you think I haven't? This is the first time we've had this conversation. <laughs> I've learned to do this already." Um, Loki seems. I mean, I think where we were at the end of last the last episode, it seemed like we were going down the route of where Loki was going to be turned into Loki, God of Stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the, the the ability now to be able to stop time, let alone control his time slipping, do you guys have any thoughts about whether he was going to turn into into that person from the comics, or were you just waiting to see what they did with him? Rather, you were that bothered about it or not? Yeah, I, I think we. So we had talked about it on our own show that it, it felt like that that's the path that they were going down with mm-hmm. the God of Stories. Um, which I think that this is still a version of that. But one of the Mm -hmm. things I think about the MCU that is a brilliant sort of um, a brilliant choice that they tend to make is that they often signal and hint at things without actually naming them. You know, I mean, it took us, it took us 11 years to hear Avengers assemble for goodness sake, you know, (laughs) so they, they take their time with actually calling things out. And so 
while we never heard him officially proclaimed as the god of stories, we never heard those words uttered per se. I I still think that you know you can infer that this is this is something of that of that version of the mm-hmm. character that this could be that and if they do decide to bring Loki back in some capacity and they decide to have him proclaim himself as the God of stories and secret wars, I don't know. That's going to, that's going to elicit a very emotional response from people. Like people are going to cheer at that. And that's again, a part of the brilliance of how they can sort of infer things without actually naming them and taking their Mm -hmm. time and having patience with, you know, actually calling certain things out. And so while they didn't, you know, necessarily, you know, explicitly say that at this point, I wasn't bothered by that because I think you can, you can you can you can look at several different things of, of what this version of the character might be, whether it's the God of stories or maybe they call it the God of time or is he now the, the new he who remains like whatever that looks like. It all works together. You know, I think it all makes sense still. And so, you know, I think um, I think that that's the more important element that we know what his purpose is uh, essentially in terms of what he's what he's meant to do and, and what his sacrifice represents. That's the more important element as opposed to, you know, the the, the, the specific name or, or terminology that they might pull over from the comics. So at the end of his conversation with He Who Remains, it seemed like there was the only two choices that he had. Um, and I genuinely thought that he was going to kill Sylvie. Des, mm-hmm. did you think that was going to happen at all? Or was it too much of an obvious thing that wouldn't happen? Because anyone who listens to my show knows I like a bit of death in series. I think it's sometimes it's it's not realistic that everyone makes it through unscathed <laughs> all the time. Um, and I like a good character death. And then I was thinking, oh, this would be a good moment. It would be shocking to actually kill Sylvie off at this moment in time um, or have him kill her at that point in, in the story. Did you think that was going to happen at all? Or were you just like, nah? Yeah, I did, actually. I thought that was, I think that's what makes this episode so good. They constantly mm-hmm. change your expectations of what you think might happen over and over. And I was by the end of it, you're just like, oh, wow. That's what we decided to go with. Um, but I think, you know, I, I definitely thought that I was, there was a moment I was like, he's going to have to kill Sylvie and in. You know, I've been talking about how the series has been very poetic for me. Like, uh, again, the, the lines they've been saying have been really good. It's been just a lot of uh, a point, good points being made, um, whether it's, you know, things about burden and purpose and all of those things. But there was a moment in my mind I thought it was poetic that he would have to kill a version of himself <laughs> in order to save mm-hmm. everything, you know? And I was like, dang, that also kind of makes sense. Again, especially in that moment where you're like, there's no other way around Sylvie killing he remains except to kill sylvie um (laughs) it it felt very uh not necessarily black and white but i was like this seems like the only choice in my mind to me but i I love the decision for loki to have to talk to sylvie first you know that is like a whole different ball game right when he has to talk to sylvie first before he does anything he's like she's like don't think i'm gonna give you my permission (laughs) you know to, (laughs) to, to to kill me but it, it it really is like again that's even poetic in itself like before i go through with this thing let me talk to the person I might have to do it to. And I think, you know, that, that that's another good uh, uh, opportunity and another good moment to, to again, subvert those expectations, man, to change mm. the narrative. And, you know, we're talking about God of stories. It's really what this whole episode is, is how can we change the narrative, not only from Loki's mm. perspective, right, as a character, but they were doing that from a writing perspective as well. And I thought that was, it was brilliantly done. Absolutely. I did think it was going to be quite amazing. I thought this was maybe a point where when he'd you know, gone back to see um, Sylvie when he was with everyone else at the end of the last episode and everyone was getting spaghettified and he, you know, 
stops time or puts them outside of time so it doesn't affect them. And he, you know, she works out pretty damn quickly that this this was the scenario that he's got to work out if he needs to kill her or not to save um, you know, the temporal loom from exploding and, and save everything else. And um, I thought she was it was pretty yeah pretty damn quick of her to work that out so quickly when it's taken him too serious to get to this point <laughs> of working out what what needs to be done. Yeah. Um, but I did also thought yeah it was a nice emotional touch I think to to put there in there. And I thought maybe I've had a little bit of beef with Sylvie and the fact that she whilst it's maybe understandable that she's not regretted any of her actions throughout the, the this particular these series in terms of she wants to have her life and she was going to do anything to get it. But the fact, seeing you know, the the effect of killing he remains and everything that's happened after that, um, and it eventually leads to the timeline of being killed, I thought she might actually finally apologise for all the shit that she's caused. <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm, if you want to kill me, I'm still not going to do it fucking willingly. Um, <laughs> no accountability, really, at no, all. No, in any of this no, shit. <laughs> no. It's really bothered me. I'm like, take responsibility for your actions, love. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) You've caused all this, essentially, even though we find out really it wasn't all about that. It was about Loki rather than her. Um, But anyway, it was just... Loki then seems to have worked out he's got to do what he needs to do. And at this point, I'm thinking, I don't know what he's going to do. Because it seems that he really had two options. He remains as thought about this so meticulously. There can't really be a third option. He's got to work out what to do from here. So he slips himself back to the TVA to that moment. And this is where this episode gets pretty, pretty damn amazing, even more so for me, because we get this whole visual where he you know, decides he was going to walk down the, the walkway. And I was like, it was amazing to see that transition where he's walking down and the temporal radiation's hitting him. And he turns from the, you know, the, stuff that he's been wearing for the last series and or two series from the you know the TVA given uniform and it turns himself into you know the Loki with the cloak flowing behind him and the the horns coming out and he uses his magic to basically split apart the loom and spread the the timeline branches all around him and his horns grow to their full length and you're like this is Loki in his glorious purpose because we got it when um in the last series towards the end when they were at the void at the end of time and he had classic Loki played by Richard E. Grant who said you know you're far more powerful than you could ever actually know in terms of what you can do and I think this was him tapping into that and splitting apart the temporal loom and the branches and then because I was like what's happening here is he just freed all the branches from being like you know woven together is he just freed time properly what's going on here and obviously like Obi's like the branches are dying and he starts grabbing them and you know he's pulling them together and he sort of makes this thing and that emotion moment I think we get a lot where he's looking back at everyone in the room and um and he basically to say his final goodbye to them almost in a way isn't it and then he walks through that sort of that split in in time and space and we see him again, just still grabbing more of, more of the branches, and he's sort of stepping up towards that chair at the citadel at the end of time. Um, and I'm going to gloat a little bit here because normally my predictions are so far off, it is absolutely unreal. But I did say after last week's episode that I would predict that by the end of this episode, Loki would be sat in the chair at the citadel at the end of time, ruling over it all. Ruling over it, okay, maybe a, a bit of an exaggeration, but we get this again, this just epic visual of him stepping up the steps towards the chair and all that sort of gold that goes up towards it as well and, and makes then into the seat. And he's encased and, and holding on to all those branches. 
and pulls them all together and sends his magic flowing through it. And then as it backs out, it turns into, it was Idrisil, the, the tree of life mm-hmm. that the Asgardians themselves base everything on. Mm-hmm. Guys, what were you thinking about all this? This was absolutely unreal. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's it's overwhelming, really, just Mm. from a visual standpoint, from an emotional (laughs) standpoint. There there were so many things happening because first, as he steps out, it's like, oh, he's going to die. He's going (laughs) to literally sacrifice himself and and die in the midst of trying to fix the temporal loom. But then it becomes something much greater than that, a a, a much bolder choice, I think. And, And you start to see that costume emerge, which is incredible looking, by the way, I love. I love the way that the costume looks because it's different than what he previously wore. That this feels this, this feels somehow darker and, and more tragic in, in, in the way that it looks, but also still a little bit more regal. And I think it max, matches sort of the maturity that he's that he's had over the course of the series. But then, mm. I mean, just the whole visual of it was really really phenomenal because you don't totally understand until you start to see like wow, he is using a combination of everything that he's accumulated between his magical Mm -hmm. powers, which comes from his upbringing, from his mother, you know, he's also using the knowledge that he just accumulated for centuries, learning the the, the physics, the theoretical physics from OB and, and, and Victor Timely. He's also using that to really know and showcase how much he is capable of. And I think to, to exactly what you said, I thought about what Richard E. Grant said in that first season, that first series, you know, that, that he's truly powerful beyond even what he knows. And, and to see him finally step into that and, and we can really see just how, how truly awe-inspiring, you know, Loki can be was just a really phenomenal sight to see. And I think that that, that, whole, that whole sequence just had me, I was pretty speechless. I, I didn't really know how to process it and know what to say because I was just watching it like, wow, they're really going for it. This is a huge, huge swing. Um, but it totally worked and, and paid off, I think. Des, hit us. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually could not believe what they were doing <laughs> in this show. It was like the most comic booky great like thing i had seen out of the mcu for a while that it tugs on the heartstrings so perfectly Mm. you know what i mean especially it's the it's really the sequence before when he talks to mobius right where mobius has that quote where he says uh uh, most purpose is burden and Mm. glory and he said trust me you never want to be the guy who avoids it because you can't live with the burden and then he actually decides to take on the burden and quite literally, he quite literally ascends to Godhood. <laughs> He's literally yeah. walking up steps and ascends to Godhood to sit in his purpose. You know, there's a there's a quote that people talk about all the time. Very simple walking in your purpose. He was literally walking in his purpose. I thought it was like, I don't know what we're doing in this writer's room. I don't know what <laughs> we're doing over at marvel with this tv show but i need more of it um i it was there it was just i was overwhelmed with everything and in one of the the most uh uh enjoyed or i think you just alluded to the moment where he looks back at all his friends at the tva there is a moment where they cut to them and they're all in the dark hmm. and i was like wow they're literally in the dark they have no idea what loki <laughs> is about to do but by the end of it it's bright again. And, you know, Sylvie has that line where she's like, he's given us a chance. And I was like, yes, that's exactly it. Because again, we've talked about it. Loki's are known to lose or they are destined to lose. Now Loki is not only 
whatever, God of time, the God of stories, but he's giving people a chance to win and not necessarily to lose. I was like, yeah, this is, I don't know what we're doing. This is great. <laughs> I, I, I had no words. The way it looked was amazing. The score is firing on all cylinders. I, I really thought this, this, this is one of my favorite sequences that I had seen, like in the MCU in, in, in general, because it, it was everything leading up to it. And then the the meaning by, by, uh, behind it all is just, it, it was it was very well done. It was exceptional. Absolutely. And I almost, yeah, completely skipped by that, obviously, scene with Mobius that was that was fantastic um, and the chat that we ha- they had between them. I almost thought that he was talking about could he live with the burden of killing Sylvie? That's what he was trying to get advice about mm-hmm. um, rather than obviously the way that he's gone gone down it. And it makes a lot more sense now that you say that, Des, that you know he's literally going to have to live with the burden of he's got to leave everything behind. But all the clues were there that you know, we always get it in the recaps at the start of every episode is whatever they put in the recaps is relevant to that particular episode. Mm-hmm. So some people are like, oh, I skip the recap. And I'm like, why? It's telling you what's going to be relevant for this episode. Right. But they constantly talk about mm-hmm. his glorious purpose, the fact that he's like, um, I had a throne taken from me and I, I was born to, be, to sit on a throne. And he gets that throne to sit on at the end of this. But I'm just going to be completely stunned, I think, for a long time with the visuals of, of that particular sequence. Um, it just still blows me mind. I've only got to see it the once a few hours ago, and I, I'm still kind of a little bit in awe of it. But I kind of um, the bit where he was walking through, and he did have the the change from his normal outfit into into the Loki outfit. I kind of um, thought that was ranking up there with. Did you guys watch the Ahsoka series that was on recently? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the World Between Worlds episode when you had the transitions from mm-hmm. like Anakin to Vader and that sort of thing. It felt like an epic level on that sort of way of doing it because I'm sure you can see from behind me, I'm a Star Wars fan first and foremost. And so the the transitions of seeing a character like that go from who they are to what they are is is absolutely epic. And I absolutely just, I loved everything about the sequence. I don't think I'm going to get over it for quite some time. Um, what I think really would have been a nice point before, because obviously... After this, they go and, you know, we'll get in touch on it again in a moment, but they went and obviously saw what happened in the aftermath of that. But I thought what would have been a really cool moment there is when they panned out and they show that, you know, all the branches have been formed into Idrisil, is if we'd have got maybe a minute or two of the Council of Kangs, because we see at the end of Ant-Man Quantumania, they're looking out on their own bits of the of the, of the multiverse, and they're saying, oh, you know, these guys are starting to touch on it now, and it's going to be trouble and whatever i thought it would have been cool if we just panned out and we'd have seen the council of kangs looking out across the multiverse and just seen in the distance idrisil and mm-hmm. that have been like shit we need to do something now that could have been a big setup for kang dynasty i think moving forward i think they mm-hmm. maybe again it wouldn't have been quite in with the tone of what was happening but i think it would have amped it up a little bit more just to have that and gone the kangs the council of kangs knowing that shit was going down <laughs> on that yeah. side of the of the multiverse and that they're going to need to be stepping in and doing a bit more now, mm-hmm. which I think would have led to more appearances from Kang variants in the upcoming films and different bits that we're going to see. So, but then we do get to see the aftermath of, of what's going on after this. Um, and yeah, the TVA seems to be a nice, comfortable place now. Obviously, KC and AB are, are obviously working on things. They seem to have turned Miss Minutes back into a general AI rather than a, uh, um, a lust-filled murder bot. Um, that's... <laughs> Which by far, by far and away, the creepiest thing of this entire episode was obviously that that bit with Miss Minutes a couple of episodes Hands down, ago. For sure, <laughs> it was that that was frightening stuff to see out of her. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen anything this Halloween that was more frightening than that. To be fair, so. Um... <laughs> 
But then, obviously, we get that Mobius is going to be leaving. Um, he wants to leave the TVA, um, and he wants to go and see what his life was going to be like. And we do get that in the fact that yeah, he leaves and he sees himself with his two kids on that on the, um, on the branch timeline. And he obviously has a quick chat with Sylvie as well. Um, we know it's not going to take long for Mobius to come back into things, though, because um, we know we're getting him in Deadpool. So something's going to draw him back in the collapse of the multiverse again. Whatever happens in Deadpool, it's not going to be long to see him. Um, and basically, everyone seems to have got a nice, sort of steady, nice, happy ending. And like you said, it seems to have wrapped up a story really, really well. And again, we get that kind of visual shot of where you know it goes back into into Idrisil and it just focuses back in on Loki for that one last shot. He's sat there on his throne looking after this multiverse that he's sort of had a hand in creating. I don't always like nice endings to series, but I think this was done really, really well and it wasn't done in a cheesy way either. Des, how are you feeling about the end to this episode? Man, I don't even know if I could say it's completely happy because uh, <laughs> Loki... You know, in in episode five, you know, he tells Sylvie, like, I just want my friends back because I don't know who I am without them. And and it's here we are. Episode six. He's at on the throne holding time, creating Idrisil alone. Um, And and if you look closely, you know, at that last shot of him, he starts to tear up, I think. Mm. And I think he's watching the moment where Mobius is watching his kids, you know, I feel like it, Loki can see all at that point, right. As he's holding these timelines. And I think he's starting to tear up because uh, uh, again, there's the burden that in order for his friends to have these lives, to even see that whatever lives they have, he has to be alone at the top. Um, and so I thought that was a very uh, uh, impactful moment. Um, but I, I, I thought it was, a, again, a really, really good ending. Um, in, in fact, you know, Mobius says that thing at the end of the episode where uh, uh, Sylvie's like, what are you going to do? He said, I'm just going to sit here a little bit and, and let time pass. <laughs> and I thought that was like, wow, what a line, <laughs> right? Because yeah. he's somebody who has lived outside of time for so long, they don't mm. even know what time passing really is. You know what I mean? They yeah. They don't get to watch things progress they don't get to watch plants grow they don't get to watch you know any of these normal basic human things but loki has allowed them that moment if that makes sense you know what i mean and i think that again that's a full circle moment of like what is the idea of being a god and it's like you know uh uh, being able to provide other people things that they might not know (laughs) you know what i mean that you provide them that's kind of you know it's kind of a a a concept of godhood and in that moment where he said i'm going to sit here and let time pass i was like wow loki's kind of allowing him to even have this moment to let time pass so i absolutely love the ending um i thought it was both beautiful tragic Mm. happy not so happy i thought all of those things um were kind of at play here but Overall, man, I, I, I really enjoyed it, and I thought it was a good way to not only send off the character, but to even potentially set up Mobius um, for Deadpool 3, right? Because even Mobius is like, um, um, even Mobius is like, I want to go see the thing that we've been fighting to protect this entire mm-hmm. time. And I was like, yeah. And I think that even gave more purpose to Mobius, because mm-hmm. Gloria's purpose, I think, isn't just for Loki here. It's mm-hmm. like everybody at the TVA has been fighting so long, living all these years to purge all of these people in these timelines. They don't even know their own purpose. And I think now, after all of this, Mobius is like, man, maybe I do have a different purpose. Maybe there is something new pr- to protect here. And I think that's going to bleed into Deadpool. Hmm. Nice. Jordan, your thoughts on the uh, the ending of this? Yeah, I mean, so much. There, there was... Um... 
the moment obviously of, of Loki at the end there, that final look of him, um, you know, I looked at that and, and you see him tear up and you see a range of emotions, I think, across his face. But I, I, I don't think he's happy. You know, I don't think that he's necessarily happy with the decision that he's made. I think that he's happy that his friends have been able to live and, 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 and to a certain extent, I think, thrive now with the TVA sort of being back on a on a level playing field and Mobius being able to make that choice. Um, and, and the choice that Loki made is kind of reflective of him allowing that freedom of choice for everybody else. You know, it, it does call back to that previous conversation that he and Sylvie had at the bar in episode five, where she talks about wanting things and what's wrong with mm. wanting things. And he finally admits that he's doing this really to save his friends and to not be alone. And and then you think about the conversation that they had even earlier in this episode, where he says that the last thing that he wants is a throne. You know, that that's, that's, that's mm. the furthest thing away from his mind and his desires at this point. And that's exactly where he ends up. But that's just, I think em, em, emblematic of the fact that this is the most selfless choice that he's made in his entire life, which is a, a really, really powerful thing when you think about where the character has come from over the course of all of these movies, especially knowing that this this version is fresh off of the height of his ambition to want a throne, to desire power, to desire a con- conquering of Earth and of other people, um, to now arrive at this place is 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 really really powerful, you know. And I think um, it is it is tragic to see him in that position to know that he has made you know one of the greatest sacrifices you know that anybody could ever make, you know, more than more than anybody else I think would be capable of making. But because he is a god, because he has that power, he has that stature, that knowledge. Um, and he comes from Asgard, you know, it, it is about laying your life down for a greater purpose. You know, we've seen Thor do that to varying degrees on a much different level as it relates to Asgard. But if you look at Loki, man, I think, uh, I, I don't know. I think that there's a conversation to be had, like, about the real sacrifices that he made here, which, mm. which you know, I don't want to compare necessarily and say, like, one is better or greater than the other. But, you know, Thor's has some very selfish moments, as is Loki. But, you know, what Loki has done here it's it's of a if it, it's of a true greater calling and a greater purpose like one that's not even necessarily comprehend comprehensible you know on a certain level when you think about it you know and i think that that's like a a really poetic and beautiful thing that they that they've done with the character yeah absolutely can you think of a greater sacrifice than giving up your own life to sit on a throne that saves the multiverse and holds time together i mean that's it's wild i can't think of can't think of many more sacrifices than that <laughs> yeah um Given that, I mean, you guys sort of touched on it a little bit earlier on in terms of, is this the end of where we see Loki in the MCU? I can't personally imagine that we don't see him in some regard in Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars. If this is the dude that holds the multiverse together and he's watching over it all and making sure that it's held together by himself, we can't imagine that he wouldn't be looking to step in at some point and be someone that goes up against all the different Kang variants that are trying to break it all down or even be the one that's sort of like um, is part of the cause of what happens, assuming they go a similar route to the comics of Secret Wars in terms of pushing everything, to, all the universes together to create just one single universe at the end of it. Um, I can't imagine that he's not going to be a part of that. Do you guys really think this is the end for Loki or, or, or we, we're going to see him again in the Avengers films, surely? You know, I think like if we actually didn't see him again, I'd be okay with it. Realistically, though, I think that there does have to be something there for the character in one of those Avengers films, Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars. He has he has so much knowledge about 
Kang the Conqueror, He Who Remains, all of this stuff. I mean, he has more knowledge about this individual on these variants more than more than anyone else does. I don't know if he's a part of a fight per se, because he is holding together as many timelines as he as he can, which I think is also important to note that he he's not able to grab every single branch. He grabs mm-hmm. like what he's capable of grabbing. I don't know if they necessarily imply that every one is like held together. I feel like there's still some like branches out there that are you know sort of in chaos and just you know sort of loosely not a part of Idrisil um in, in that respect and so I think that there has to be some some possible interaction that Loki has it, it may, maybe if they visit him maybe if it's similar to what we saw out of the Red Skull in, in, in Infinity War where they have to go visit mm-hmm. him to get a certain piece of knowledge and he can mm-hmm. from his throne he can share that knowledge and, and and impart that wisdom on you know whoever's whoever's requesting it but i don't know if loki is actively a part of defeating kang the conqueror and all of the variants come come avengers kang dynasty and secret wars Des, any thoughts yeah i i think he I, i'm pretty on board with jordan here i just don't know what capacity that he will show up. I will say, I think the where Loki ends up, um, again, as a god, he's now part of like this mythology, right? And I think somehow, somewhere, people have to know what Loki is doing, right? Like, <laughs> we know Balder the Great is this thing. Thor is this thing. Odin is this thing. I think eventually, Loki's story, somebody has to get the word out there that he's now Idrisil. You know what I mean? Like, he <laughs> now is holding together all of these timelines um and i think it will come into play later down the line but i think it will look like uh in the form of, of jordan said maybe somebody has to visit him for some reason uh again he is still a god he probably can still clone himself in some capacity but he is carrying a burden of time right now literally in his hands and i feel like he can't move or do much outside of that and so yeah i'm not exactly sure what it looks like but i think when it does come to, you know, secret wars, incursions, time, all of these things, I think there will have to be some mention of Loki in his new mythology. Oh, what, how, how were the times, how is time being held together right now? Loki has them literally in his hands at the end of time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and somebody will have to, you know, do something uh, uh, to, again, yeah, either go visit him or, I don't know, talk to him, conjure him, communicate with him. I think we'll see him again in that capacity. I'm just not sure, again, uh, like Jordan said, he'll be fighting anything, but I think he will uh, uh, be helping the cause at the end of the day and still be a part of that story in some way. Hmm. Nice. One thing I timely skipped over, which should pop back into my brain, um, Renslayer. We see her at, you know, at the void at the end of time, and it looks like she was being faced down by Elioth. Um, obviously, we've uh, not seen since the last series. Now, I'm of the opinion that you know no one dies unless you see it really happen on screen, especially in in you know, modern day cinema um, and, and TV series. So, are we actually assuming that Renslayer is dead, or is she going to pop up somewhere else again? I think she pops up. I'm, I'm I'm of the same exact mindset. Like if we don't see it, if it's not a clear indication of death on screen, especially in this universe, uh, mm. they are leaving that thread wide open. Um, if, if she never comes back, they have an easy way out to say she was killed by Elias. Uh, but if they want to bring her back, then there's obviously a scene and a moment that they can that they can create in which she's able to escape you know, that situation. And, and, and I think that there, there's potentially more to do with her character um, as it relates to Kang. 
mm-hmm. it's tough though because when you look at these Avengers movies, though there will be two of them, and presumably Kang will be the big villain in both. I mean, there's only room for so much, you know. I mean, unless these movies are going to be six hours apiece, like how many different threads, how many stories are they going to carry over? Like, I don't know if it's going to be that many, you know. So, um, this mm-hmm. could this could be the end of Renslayer, not necessarily in the form of death, but just in the form of what her story represents. You know, maybe we we don't see her again, but um, you know, I think I think that they left it pretty. Uh, you know, pretty wide open to, to, to hmm. sort of figure out like where they want to take that character in the future. I think that's fair as well in terms of we don't necessarily have to continue this thread or this story with her because, mm-hmm. you know, there's plenty of other interesting characters that are stuck in that void at the time that they could pick back up if they wanted to in terms of all the other Lokis and everything like that. So, you know, if she's just left at the end of time and she's left to the mercy of, of, of Elioth or whatever happens in, at that time, I think, yeah, that's absolutely fine, isn't it? We don't necessarily need to see a continuation of a story, so... Gentlemen, the end of this series, I would like a rating from you guys. And actually, because I said, you know, it effectively is one long series in two parts. So series one and two of Loki as a whole. Des, give me a rating out of 10. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I, 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 I think at the end of all of this, series one and two put together, I'm going to go ahead and give it a nine, man. I am. Um, I think... You know this 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 series. I think they they set out and did what they needed to do. Um, I think at the end of season one, you feel one way, uh, but when you put it all together, when you literally string everything together, this character arc, um, these the character, all the characters together, I'm going to give it a nine, man. Uh, I, I I think particularly this season, they were firing almost all cylinders when it came to the way it looked. Again, the sound is crazy. I really love. <laughs> This soundtrack, I think they were really killing this soundtrack. But I think this is this is a piece of of MCU content that it feels it it feels complete. Um, and I don't again, we don't always feel like that. Jordan, you know, Jordan said something earlier where even when they started this thing, we we think they already knew the ending. And a lot of MCU projects, they purposely have to leave open because they don't know what they're mm. going to do. Yeah. And I think the definitiveness of this series, the way it ends feels so different than a lot of the other MCU projects that we've gotten. We've never gotten like a, again, maybe beyond like an in-game Iron Man and Cap story in in-game, you know, this feels like, I don't know, just something completely different. Um, and, but it, I, I think it's also a TV show that people will cherish for a long period of time. Uh, and, 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 and I I'll only uh, take a point away because there's some episodes in there in season one. And I was like, ah, this is okay. And <laughs> there's some, some Sylvie stuff in there. It's like, ah, we kind of left that alone, you know, kind of type thing. Uh, but I think overall, man, this is, this is a very exceptional show and, and, and Marvel, I think should be proud of this. Jordan, hit us with your rating. Um, you know, I, I, I hate to sound boring and repetitive, but I, I would give it a nine as well. I think that uh, it, mostly sticks the landing in, in pretty much every respect. And uh, Andy, what you said earlier at the top of the episode is something that I also feel a lot where, whereas in the, the medium of television finales ending series is largely a disappointing venture. I think for the vast majority of television, you can probably count the amount of satisfying finales on, on one hand, if we're being truly honest about it, especially in this, you know, sort of newer prestige tv era of the past 20 years where we lean heavily on drama and episodic storytelling uh but the fact that 
this this I think feels like a finale to this show to this story. I I I don't foresee them doing more. If this is truly it, then then they really nailed it. They really did it, and 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 they they brought it full circle and also recontextualized what the series is truly about. I mean, we knew it was always about Loki going into it, but I think after season one, there was this expectation and this hope of how much Kang and and that was going to be of importance and how that was going to signal towards the future. And they certainly still have those threats there and they still set that up. And I think that there's meaningful progress that they make. Um, But this is really about Loki and, 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 and this is really about his journey and his path and his story. And they, they absolutely, you know, sort of reinforced the reason that this show was created. They had a story that they wanted to tell that they felt like was, was worth telling. And uh, Tom Hiddleston and, Everybody involved in this, you know, Michael Waldron from creating it, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, you know, really leading the charge on directing this 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 second series. They 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 understood, I think, uh, just the importance of 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 what it meant to bring this all full circle for this character, who is such a beloved character for so many people in the MCU. So, um, a strong strong nine for me, and and definitely of the upper echelon of what we've gotten out of the recent phases, and really just the entire MCU. I think when we when we go back and watch this as one full experience, it, it'll be truly truly memorable. I uh, I think the two of you have said everything that I possibly could say about the love for the series to be fair i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a 9.1 or an 8.9 just to be different um uh, <laughs> it's um but no it really is up there isn't it is um is top tier marvel stuff from from any phase that they've done so far i think before series two came out i did a ranking of like phase four and up to phase five so far which i think was before secret invasion and i had loki at number two of my phase four and five projects of, of all time no way home obviously just beating it out but I think when you watch this from start to finish, it may even creep slightly, uh, you know, even higher now. I'd have to write an all-time ratings list for all MCU projects, and I'd be interested to see where I fit Loki into that now, in terms of like absolutely everything that they've ever done. A fantastic series! It's been absolutely immense, and I can't wait to rewatch this episode. To be fair, um, and just go through that emotion all over again. I normally get a couple of chances to watch it before I jump on and record. So I came out of it pretty raw and I, I'm just still pretty thrilled about it. I've got to go and put that aside and watch the Marvels in about an hour's time, <laughs> and uh, which I'll be reviewing next week. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But gentlemen, thank you so, so much uh, for coming on and chatting this with me. It's been absolutely amazing. I was so hyped to get you on and, you know, not that you were ever in danger of doing so, but you've not let me down either. Let's put it that way. Um, but literally, oh, tell everyone at home exactly where we can find your podcast and find yourselves online. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again, Andy, for having us on. This was this was such a pleasure. Uh, but you can find us at Two Black Nerds. We are available on most major pl- podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Um, you can find us on social media at Two Black Nerds everywhere: Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We have leaned heavily into to, to the video portion of our podcast lately, so you can find all of our reviews. And we've also been reviewing Loki each and every week, and we will be doing so as well very shortly here, so you can watch or listen to all of those low-key interviews and definitely be on the lookout for our Marvel's review as well. That'll be coming out at some point next week. So definitely uh, stay tuned to, to Two Black Nerds and everything we got coming out. Amazing. Definitely go give them a follow, give them a, a, a like and a, and a watch on YouTube as well. You'll find this episode out very, very shortly. Where again, you can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, and again on YouTube as well. Um, go give it a watch. Tune into these guys and see, uh, and see their chat about it as well, because I'm sure they're going to, they're saving some of the best stuff they wanted to talk about for their own episode and it's going to be worth listening to as well so gentlemen thank you very very much as i said i'll be back next week with a marvels review and um until then all of you take care thanks for tuning in to the galactic core podcast 
Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. But until next time, go get your geek on.